Hey, Housing News listeners, have you heard? Registration is now open for HousingWire's Engage.Talent Summit of February 6th in Dallas, Texas. Join us to learn all about the latest tactics to recruit, develop, and retain the best mortgage origination talent. Visit engage.housingwire.com to register and use promo code HOUSINGNEWS2020 for $100 off. See you in Dallas. Housing News listeners, this is Austin Lloyd. I'm a reporter on HousingWire's editorial team, and I'm also the producer of this weekly podcast. Today, we have something very special for you. I'm bringing you a bonus episode, which is our first ever podcast crossover. This week, HousingWire CEO and President Clinton Collins sat down with Phil Treadwell, the VP of Development and Regional Manager at Mason McDuffie, who also happens to be the host of fellow industry syndicate podcast, The Mortgage Marketing Expert. In this bonus episode, the two discuss Clayton's evolution within the mortgage industry, as well as HousingWire's emergence as a top industry publication. Additionally, Phil and Clayton touch base on some of the industry's hottest topics, ranging from recession fear, mortgage rates, first-time home buyers, and more. But before we listen, Clayton will bring you a word from our sponsor. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, the CEO at HousingWire. And before we get started with this episode of the Housing News Podcast, I want to bring you some knowledge and insight from our sponsor, ArchMI. With interest rates at historical lows where finances are booming, how do you win this business? It's simple, lower the MI premium for your borrower. The newest feature of Arch's innovative RateStar platform, the RateStar Refinance Retention Program, makes it possible. Eligible borrowers with loans already insured by ArchMI can refinance into new loans with a lower MI premium payment. Give your refi customers a better deal. If you'd like to learn more about how RateStar powers possibilities, visit archmi.com forward slash RateStar refi. The Housing News Podcast is now a member of the Industry Syndicate. The Industry Syndicate has launched a podcast made for mortgage and real estate professionals by mortgage and real estate professionals. Download the app from Apple or Google and join the community today. Thank you for listening. And here's this week's bonus episode of the Housing News Podcast. All right, welcome to the Mortgage Marketing Expert Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Treadwell. Mortgage Marketing Expert's a proud founding member of Industry Syndicate. Our mortgage marketing expert today is a fellow industry syndicate show host, uh, my good personal friend and CEO of Housing Wire, Clayton Collins. Clayton, how you doing, brother? I am doing great, Phil. Thanks again for having me back. As, uh, as we were just talking about, I was guest number 13 on the Mortgage Marketing Expert podcast. And uh, now that we're, I think, somewhere in episode 50 range. Yeah, we're going to be uh, mid-50. I think this will be episode 56, I believe. So it's... Uh, Exciting to have you back. I think you're the first repeat guest solo. So we've had a couple of people, uh, Barry Habib and Tim Brahim did individual episodes and they did, we did a podcast with them together. So you're going to be, I think, the first repeat solo guest. Well, I will make sure I rub that in Barry's face. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> as soon as you see him, you let him know. <laughs> Well, uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to have you back, and uh, we did this for a reason. I think this is going to be a really, really cool episode for everybody. We're going to cover, couple, uh, excuse me, cover a myriad of topics. Before we get too deep for 
people who may not be as familiar with you, who haven't gone back yet and listened to episode 13, uh, briefly introduce yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, kind of what your background is and, and led you into this, uh, in this crazy space of, of real estate housing media and uh, what you're, what you're focusing on these days. Yeah, I don't want to bore your audience too much with the background, but the the the, the ten thousand foot view is I'm the, the CEO and publisher of Housing Wire, and at Housing Wire we're we're squarely focused on covering the mortgage, real estate, and fintech world. Um, I have a newsroom of excellent journalists who are who are deeply ingrained in the industry, covering all the news, information, and perspective that we hope helps loan originators and executives and real estate professionals excel in their professional uh, endeavors. Uh, so that's our focus at Housing Wire. My background, uh, I started my career in retail banking. I was at Citigroup, uh, managed a branch in Manhattan uh, during the financial crisis, which was a, a wild timing at 5th and 37th and uh, managing 23 people at a pretty early stage of my career, but uh, pretty, pretty foundational in, um, in my career path. Uh, and went on to the national sales and marketing team and uh, managed some cross-sell and best practices programs for our retail branches, um, helped retail branches uh, kind of get credit card and mortgage product out there to our depository clients. Um, from there, went on and did a few years of M&A advisory where I worked uh, primarily with media companies and did a, a bunch of sell-side deals for uh, digital media companies, which uh, kind of gave me a unique background to prepare me for, for housing wire. Uh, so I had the financial services and, and mortgage and banking experience with a few years of advising uh, digital media companies and executives and operators on, on selling their business. Um, so I had the, the advisory view of the media world, um, but I was, I was ready for a more entrepreneurial path and Housing Wire presented a pretty great opportunity to, to run an excellent business and, uh, and, and run a, use it as a platform that will hopefully build a more impactful and, and larger media company serving the, the real estate and financial services world. That's awesome. Well, it's been no secret that for the last uh, several years, even before you and I knew each other and became friends, that I've been a huge advocate of Housing Wire, which you guys do for the industry, the type of content you put out, and, and uh, the importance that I see uh, as far as the role that it plays in the industry. So I definitely appreciate that. As I was listening back through some of uh, our, our original recording, you had uh, obviously did, did a fundraising, put a group, a private equity group together, purchased Housing Wire. And in there, you said you relocated it to Dallas. I don't think I ever asked you why. So we're, we both live here in Dallas. What, what brought you specifically and, and Housing Wire to Dallas, Texas? So Housing Wire was actually founded in Dallas. So the, the team was here. The founders started the business in Dallas. Uh, the office, the initial office was actually, or actually the initial like real office. I think there was a few like small executive office suites in the early days. But the first real office was in an old countrywide office in Plano. Uh, so kind of after the, uh, the, the great recession and then that office was no longer needed for the reasons that everyone listening to this episode knows, um, housing wire moved into a countrywide office and it's pretty cool housing wire, uh, kind of folklore and culture that still continues. Um, we still have a bunch of their expensive chairs from that house, from that, uh, countrywide office that we're just, uh, <laughs> we think it's too funny to, to kind of have some <laughs> some of that history uh, around the housing wire office. Um, we actually just moved offices in, in late 2019 and uh, it was kind of sad to let some of the, the historic um, conference room tables and desks go, but uh, we, we needed a little, a little nostalgic about the overpriced chairs from the, from the countrywide office. 
we kept those uh, those fifteen hundred dollar Herman Miller chairs um, <laughs> that somebody else bought. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, to, to transition here a little bit, obviously you're a media company, right? You guys talk about the news. You report the news in a very unbiased way. You focus specifically on mortgage and real estate and fintech. You have a couple of events. Um, I've had the privilege of being a part of the uh, Housing Wire Engage Marketing Content Advisory Board. And uh, we have another event coming up in the Engage series, which is Engage Talents. Um, talk about that for a second, what it is, why we're doing it, uh, what people can get out of it. So I mean, kind of high level engage is an event series focused on topics where we see our audience really engaging and, and looking for more information. Uh, we felt like we have an opportunity to tackle topics that are underserved in the industry right now um, from a live event perspective. The first of those is a topic that you've tackled head on with your podcast, and that's marketing for mortgage origination. So engage.marketing is our first event. Uh, we had the first one in Dallas in 2018, the second one in Charlotte in 2019, and we have the third one coming up in June in, uh, in Irvine, California. So uh, that, that's going to be here before we know it. So that's the first event in the Engage series. The second, which is coming up in just a few weeks, is Engage.Talent. And that's focused on recruiting, developing, and retaining the best professionals in, in mortgage origination and operations and, and mortgage origination technology. So we have a, a group of incredible leaders in a lot of different capacities, from, from the C-suite to, uh, to branch, regional, and divisional uh, origination leaders, um, so, some close and post-close operations leaders, as we know a lot of the, uh, the bottlenecks and stress points that our ops teams are seeing right now. And uh, we're doing a full-day summit here in Dallas focused on how to recruit, develop, and retain the best people in mortgage. And uh, just a few weeks away, so uh, we, we couldn't be more excited about the speaker lineup and the really impressive group of people that are registered to attend and, uh, and support the event. That's so cool. And, and I will, you know, I've always been very complimentary of, of you in these events, but I, I haven't gone as much as to why. Everyone knows I'm a fan of Housing Wire. Everyone knows that I help promote the events. I like to participate in the events. But I think it's because of the perspective and the angle that you guys take. Most of our audience knows and also I think is like-minded in thinking that we're all trying to progress this industry forward. We're trying to capture what both consumers want, what referral partners want, the natural progression of the industry, and adopt a lot of the technology and the philosophies that almost every other industry and every other vertical has already adopted, right? And so when we talked like at the Engage Marketing Summit from the very first one and, and, and through the one last year and even, you know, starting to get into the planning stages for the third one, it's a very progressive view. And that's what I'm excited about this, this new Engage Talent Conference is, the topics that we've been talking about that speakers are going to be presenting or even the session that, that I'm a part of with Tom Middleton with Middleton Advisory Group and Anthony Casa with AIM is talking about the new way of not only capturing but retaining talent. And I think that's what people have an appetite for. They have an appetite to talk about things that's going to take their business to the next stage. It's going to take them to the next level as opposed to continuing to talk about the same regurgitated content that everyone's been talking about in conferences for, for decades. Yeah, we have a big focus on, on how we categorize these 
live events. We're not, we're not calling them conferences. We're not calling them expos. Uh, th this is a summit. We're, we're bringing together a pretty curated group of people that are really impactful and really influential and uh, with a major focus on, on community. And uh, you, you'll, you'll notice in the speaker list, we're really intentional on, on a, inviting people that are, that are growing in their career and growing in market share. Um, we're, we're looking for kind of the next generation of talent, the next generation of leaders, the people who are, who are shaking things up and are going to be the future of the mortgage industry in one capacity or another. And uh, that, that's a big part of like the DNA and the, the culture that we're looking to build around, uh, around Engage. That's awesome. And it's, it's cool to be a part of. So I appreciate that. It's cool to see uh, as, as someone else who's in a, in a different way trying to add value and content to the industry and move it forward. So it's a lot of fun. So we've obviously through conferences and our previous podcast talked about engaged marketing and marketing tactics. Uh, I, I want everybody to buy a ticket and come to the engaged talent summit for anybody that's looking to do some business development and, and grow and build their teams. So what I want to kind of talk about in this podcast to add value to our audience is topics that are newsworthy. Right now, there's a lot going on in the world. There's, you know, politics, there's, you know, war, there's recession and, and, and economic conversations. Originators and mortgage professionals and real estate professionals all need to know and understand certain things about what's happening in our industry because we all get questions. We have borrowers and consumers or we have friends and family at cocktail parties. What are some headlines right now that you guys are focusing on or things that you guys are reporting on that mortgage professionals need to pay attention to and learn more about? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on in the headlines right now, Phil, and, uh, and, and this is, as we go into January and kick off a new decade and kick off a new year, um, there's a lot of talk about conforming loan limits and FHA loan limits and interest rates, but I really want to focus in on, on one, one specific article that one of our journalists just actually published this week. Um, Brennan Nath published a, uh, as some of your listeners might remember her, might remember her as Brenna Swanson. She's been, uh, was on the Housing Wire team for five years and, and just rejoined us as an, as an editor. Um, she wrote an article yesterday about how a possible recession is stopping young homeowners and what you can do to fix it. So the, the headline isn't, it isn't about recession risk. Like there's been enough headlines about that. There's a 20% chance of recession in 20, 2020. And like all the, the ranges from different economists from 40 to 60 in 2019. Um, this isn't about that. This is about the, the messaging and the dialogue and the psychology about how those headlines and how the perceived risk of recession is impacting first-time home buyers or even repeat home buyers from coming into the market or coming back into the market. And I thought the, the reason I wanted to bring this up today, is I thought Brenda did an exceptional job digging into all of the different components of the psychology of loan originators and real estate agents and home buyers and how that psychology is impacting the conversations they're having around purchasing a home and, uh, and some tactics that uh, originators and agents, the people that homebuyers trust can use to really inform homeowners into not trying to time the market. Uh, you, you definitely hear on, on CNBC and, and any smart public equity investor um, talking about how timing the market is essentially a fool's errand, especially if you're someone who does this part-time. Um, trying to time the real estate market uh, is probably just as challenging, um, not something I would advise. 
No, for sure. And, and I think that the, the topic here is super important because there's the, the same reason that headlines um, don't necessarily equate to what's in an article. What we have to realize is a lot of times they're clickbait and it, in a, in a, in a world where information is a commodity and we're bombarded with headlines, recession talks is obviously something that people are leery of. And, you know, there, there's two sides to that coin. There's the, well, in a recession, obviously, you know, uh, there's an opportunity for interest rates to come down to spur the housing market. And it's a great opportunity to buy. And there's the people that maybe aren't necessarily as familiar with, uh, with, with what's happening that, that, that is a barrier for them to enter the market. Either way, mortgage professionals have to be able to have that conversation. And, and the other side of that conversation is that people are, are staying in their homes longer. As we become more mobile uh, or virtual when it comes to the way we work, working remote, things of that nature, the average uh, person is staying in their home it has gone from seven years up to 10 years is, is the recent number that I heard. And so you also have to look at the ages of people that are entering the, the home market and, and what that means for them. So there was a couple of bullet points in the article along those lines that I wanted you to kind of hit on so that people understand the types of things they need to be thinking about when they're having these conversations. Yeah, and I think the bullet points like that that we'll walk through are, are really trying to, to, to tackle the, the, the issue here and, um, and, and the opportunity. So lenders and real estate agents can help educate consumers and shift the conversation to the strengths of the housing market and benefits of home ownership. And Phil, you just said it. You used in your in your question, you used the word home each time. You didn't use house, you didn't use real estate. And that, that's a big part of what Brenna tackles in, in this article. And that LOs and real estate agents uh, have the opportunity to help buyers kind of get past false assumptions that were put in place following the Great Recession. And uh, we'll also tackle like the difference between re recession and housing crisis and how those two things are not always, uh, always intermingled. But um, let's, let's kick it off with uh, the, the, the key point that, that Brenna tackles is that the scars of the crisis are still very raw and very real for potential young home buyers. So, I mean, Phil, I'll kind of like bring that back to you. I mean, as a, as a lending professional, um, working with the, the LOs that, that work with you and your team and the referral partners, are, are you seeing those, those scars and, and some of that concern still out there, um, even though we're 10 or 11 years past the, the housing crisis? Yeah, definitely so. But, but I think it's for what you just mentioned, people equate recession to housing crisis. And that's, I think, what I was trying to get to a second ago where I was, I was rambling just a little bit. So many people equate recessionary talk to housing concerns. Whenever, if you look historically, during recessions or slowdowns in the economy, that actually provides a boost to the housing industry. Rates go low, people end up buying homes or refinancing homes. And so for the industry as a whole, a recession isn't necessarily a bad thing. But because the last big recession we had was at the same time as the housing crisis, that causes people pause. And I think that there's some residual hesitation there. So, I mean, I don't want to fall, fall, like become guilty of doing the same thing that we're advising people not to do. So, I mean, let, let's start, let's start with talking about refinance being up and interest rates being down jargon that, that we're very comfortable with, but that might not be natural or might have misperceptions with first time home buyers. So, 
if you have scars from the financial crisis and you start to see refinances tick up, what, what that, that could signal like a risk in the market, right? Like that's something that uh, somebody who saw this like really um, slushy refi market, uh, 16 and six or 2006, 2007, um, that, that's something that could signal risk and might get you wary of the housing, mar housing market. So that's not going to be a, a concern for every potential home buyer, but it's some, some of these like things that we talk about like, and low interest rates are another one. I, I think there's, there's a potential for low interest rates to be perceived as weakness in the market. And uh, like the, you hear talk of the, the Fed lowering rates to, to save the economy and avoid a recession. Um, all of these things that we see as potential positives for the market could be perceived by first-time home buyers as like flashing red lights of, of recession risk. And, and that's, and I, I don't have like the silver bullet in terms of, of language and coaching that LOs should use, but I do think that the topic we're trying to raise here and the topic that Brenna really brings front and center is some of these things that we talk about and see as signals of opportunity or market strength could be perceived entirely different differently by uh, someone who's not talking about it every day. A thousand percent. And that's, I think, what I want to make sure and highlight within everyone that's listening is that you have to be able to talk intelligently about these conversations. And in tying it to marketing, branding, relevance, reputation, all of those things that we talk about in creating and curating business is as you're creating attention and branding yourself as an advisor and as an expert, you can't just put posts about loan limits. First of all, everyone's doing it. No one's explaining it. Everyone talks about what's happening without really talking about what's happening. Some people are, are, are sharing it because they want to be first among their peers in the industry to break the news and they forget that there's a whole social circle or sphere of influence that if you created context, that may open up a conversation to talk about how much they may qualify for and then a loan limit and how much they can buy in a certain loan type are two very different things. Just because the conforming limit is a certain dollar amount doesn't mean they can't buy a home larger than that and still get a conventional loan because you can put the down payment in there. That sounds simple to those of us that are in the industry, but the average home buyer and consumer doesn't understand that. It's the same conversation that you and I are having around what recession actually means for the, for the uh, industry. You know, the difference between fixed rates and adjustable rate mortgages. And, you know, they mentioned yield curve and all these different things. It's not that you have to be an expert and blast stuff out there. And, and I want to make a disclaimer in here real quick. We're not advocating that you create a video and explain this stuff and blast it out on social media. What we're saying is you need to educate yourself on stuff within the industry so that as you're branding yourself as an advisor and as someone who is an expert in your field, when people come and ask you questions, you're actually able to answer them in a way that they can understand. And, and the data is showing that there's a segment of millennials or, or first-time home buyers that are staying away because of the scar tissue. So the topic we're trying to bring front and center is, is when you have the opportunity to speak to those people who are staying on the sidelines, 
there may be some education that goes that is deeper than their current understanding of different market dynamics. And it's really easy to, to Google what a adjustable rate mortgage is. It's really easy to Google like what a, a refi is or what low or what they think low rates mean. But the context that that loan lending professionals have is, is just super important to be to be sharing and kind of reiterating, even with people who think they have a, a baseline understanding. And, and that might even extend past those first-time home buyers to your to your referral partners and agents who are who are often the first ones talking about the interest rate environment. I'll, uh, I'll an anecdotal story: my my wife and two kids and I stopped by an open house this past weekend, and uh, I, I left with a um, a business card with four LOs names and numbers on it. Um, with uh, with the promise of uh, rates and terms, I don't think actually exists in the market. Um, but just to remind everybody, your referral partners are the first ones in many scenarios uh, talking to potential home buyers about what's happening in the lending world. Well, I think that illustrates a completely different point. Yet in the same context, mm-hmm. is the same stuff is happening out there. I feel like a lot of times those of us, you know, uh, within the industry syndicate, those in the media world, those that are participating a lot in social media and are having these conversations a lot, forget as we're talking and coaching our teams and, and talking to other industry professionals, there's a small percentage of people that are actually doing these things. And that's why it's important. The more of us that do it, the more our industry is going to move forward and the more you brand yourself as credible because you are someone who understands this industry like few people that aren't directly originating loans or or part of of the mortgage and real estate industry. And you even had the feeling when you walked away of they're offering me something that they can't do, which immediately, if you're doing that, you lose credibility in everything else that you say both before and after right? Doesn't necessarily mean that what you're saying before and after that is wrong, but it now gives that perception or the likelihood that it could be. And uh, Chris Griffith, to give him a shout out, good friend of mine, I know you're a friend of yours as well, uh, lives in the DFW area. When he and I did a podcast, he, he talks a lot about staying in your lane and not doing the types of loans that you're not best served to do. And it was in the context of VA loans. He's very passionate about VA loans and VA borrowers. But I think it's applicable to this. Whenever you are trying to brand yourself as an expert, brand yourself in the context of something that you're best served to offer advice on. The most trust you can create, stealing another quote from Tim Brahim, the most trust you can create with someone is telling someone you don't know or offering them bad news because people never do that. No one wants to deliver bad news. No one wants to say they don't have the answer. That in and of itself creates trust with people because they know you're not just trying to BS them. And so that kind of goes into that conversation of, you know, staying in your lane and and equipping yourself to be able to answer these questions when people ask them, if you're branding yourself that way, don't, don't lose credibility by trying to talk about something or offer something that you can't follow through with. So, so jumping on to the next big bullet from, from the article was the housing market was at the center of the great recession, but recessions are not tradition, traditionally contingent on a housing market crash. Now, I think even as industry professionals, we often forget about this one. The the Great Recession was so painful for the housing industry, for the employment of of everybody in our our sphere of influence and and circle at at HousingWire and in in the real estate world. This is a really easy one to forget, 
And Brenna did a great job at digging in and actually talking to a lot of economists in, in the directly associated real estate world at First American and, and Zillow and, uh, and even going outside the real estate world a little bit to get some perspective on the, the relationship between a, a recession um, and a housing crisis. And I think this is another point, and, and, I'll, and I'll prompt uh, our, our listeners today to, to jump in and read the article. Uh, Brenna links out to um, the actual definitions of, of, of recession and, and housing crisis, the financial crisis, and, and helps really delineate between each of those and, uh, and how they're, they're not necessarily the same. They don't always move together. Yeah. So. And, and for, for our reader or for our listeners, we will put this article in the show notes so that you can, the, the link so that you can jump straight to it. Yeah. So the idea of recession isn't the only reason that many young homeowners are on the fence about homeownership, but it is something that I think comes up frequently. And, it, and it's not like, it's not without like some logic, like, like with recession also comes employment risk. And, and maybe that is a reason that you, you want to slow play the decision to buy a home. But if you're doing it because of housing prices or, um, or, or kind of other perceived risks, that, that might be something that talking to a professional, a professional originator, professional real estate agent, uh, might help, help them get more comfortable with the dynamics of the market we operate in today. Yes, ab- absolutely. And I, <clears throat> I think that there is so many conversations around this topic that it almost becomes convoluted. And I think that's when you, you asked about the scars. I think that's where most people feel like recessions have to do with housing because the big recession that all of us remember was like, as you said, housing was at the center of it. And, and, and Brennan mentioned in the article. And a, a point that I wanted to make in there is just like when we're talking about technology and social media and understanding the consumer that we're trying to reach which half of all new borrowers, mortgage borrowers are millennials, that 18 to 35 range or 22 to 37, whatever that, that age range is, they have entered housing later as first time home buyers. They do remember the recession being linked to housing, but they're also a very community minded generation to where having conversations about it um, really gives them uh, a, a warm and fuzzy for lack of a better word. And I'll, I'll cite a specific uh, article and we'll put this in the show notes as well. My buddy, Jeff Zimfer with mortgage marketing radio. Uh, when I was on his podcast, he was talking about a Fannie Mae study that showed uh, first time home buyers that were between 18 and 35 and then repeat home buyers 35 and up and asked them the sources of information that they valued when it came to buying or refinancing a home. And the number one on the list for 18 to 35 was friends and family members, community, right? And, you know, real estate professionals and then, then web, web sources like Zillow and, and things were on there. The older generation, it was from real estate professionals, then it was personal experience, then it was web resources like Google. The reason I mention that is in these topics, if you're wanting to help people get off the fence, identifying that these types of people understand or feel certain types of ways, it makes it very easy to diffuse that by having conversations about it. One of the easiest ways to do that is through social media in groups where these conversations come up. 
if you're putting good information in there and adding value, which we always talk about as opposed to being a spam bot and saying, call me for more information or that's not right, I can help you X, Y, Z home loan stuff. If you go in there and create context and understand what these topics are about, you can help educate them and correct some of these misgivings. I saw a, uh, and I want to kind of reiterate that like I'm a conservative person. Like we we live in a home we can easily afford, and, and not an advocate for like go, anyone going outside their means or going into situations they're uncomfortable with. And our mission at Housing Wire is moving markets forward. We want to expand responsible home ownership. So the, the point of this isn't to, to try to convince people otherwise, but it's to help them make the right assumptions and, and not have false assumptions about, about home ownership and the economy. Um, I saw a tweet this morning from an apartment developer and investor that I follow, uh, Moses Kagan, and, and he had said, he said that when he first started investing in apartments, an accountant friend told him to he didn't know what to use for OPEX and, and his model. So he said, oh, just assume 35% operating, operating expense. And he, Moses went back years later and looked at all the deals he lost because he was assuming operating expense much higher than the, the actual operating expense would be on the properties he was looking at investing in. And I just thought it was a, an excellent example of how false assumptions can can really lead you down the wrong path and for him it was a, path, a more conservative path than he should have been following but I know there are homeowners and potential homeowners who are also making decisions around um, kind of false assumptions that uh, that originators and housing professionals have have an opportunity to, uh, to help them move move past and, and be more informed and that's a great way to frame this is, is that's exactly what we're talking about is the industry has one perception and of and in view of the real estate when it comes to recessions and average consumers and even average referral partners they may have different assumptions about how those things are correlated and that's really what we're talking about here is is educating yourself enough that you can have intelligent conversations and help people change what those assumptions are so the, the third big the third and final big bullet from the article is the makings of a good time to buy a home. And uh, the, the, like we just talk, we talked about in the beginning, this is really centered around the word home. And uh, the, the article goes to state that something in the last 20 or 30 years changed a bit when people started looking at real estate as an investment more than a place they're going to live. And uh, I think that's the other kind of big factor that matters here. I know, I know real estate agents don't forget this and, and I don't think originators do as well, but uh, often we have to think about for a potential homeowner, or, or is this the right, are they in the right location? Is it the right time? Does their family need uh, this number of bedrooms or in this school district? And how did those factors influence the timing of purchasing a home? Because often there's, there's other financial and uh, cultural and um, health benefits that come with home ownership that kind of far outweigh the, the opportunity costs of trying to, to time the market. Do you buy in February, do you buy in April, do you buy in 2019, do you buy in 2020? Um, there's a whole plethora of other things that first time home buyers, potential home buyers need to think about. And uh, I, I often fear that if you just follow the, just follow the headlines or, or just uh, talk here about family and friends perspective on uh, we're in a, a real estate bubble or we're, we're coming into a, a recession. Some of those, those more often more important factors of uh, 
my family needs three bedrooms in a school district um, <laughs> might fall to the wayside. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a little kind of a anecdotal story. When I first got in the industry, my parents, uh, my mom specifically wasn't, I don't want to say wasn't happy about it, but at the time interest rates were around 7%, 7.5%. And she said, well, yeah, rates are, interest rates are really, really low right now. What happens when rates go back up to, you know, 10, 12, 15% like they did in the eighties, what are you going to do then being, you know, is, is this the best career path to be getting into? And honestly, I was a young guy getting in the industry. Um, I didn't have an answer to that question. So I went to the owner of the company I was working for at the time or the one that got me in the, the business. And I asked the question and he kind of laughed and he said, you know, his biggest year in the industry as a producer was when rates were 16, 17, going on 18%. And he said, people will always buy homes. That's the distinction of homes versus houses. People's always buy homes. It's just a matter of how big of a home will they buy based upon what they can afford. And that really ties into what our, our friend Barry Habib says is that when people go look at homes, it, they first see it and fall in love with their eyes and then they get attached emotionally. But the decision to buy a home is a financial decision. And yep. so that's really what it revolves around is letting people understand the economics of this. People are always going to buy homes. And if you can help them change the perspective of sometimes it's about buying a place to live and the basic economics of buying versus renting versus this long-term investment, because that's been an education process over the last 15 or 20 years that always ha that hasn't always been the topic of conversation around buying a home is whether or not it's a good investment. I think uh, there's an article, there's a quote in the article from uh, Jeff Tucker, who's an economist at Zillow, who I think uh, kind of supports that, that point from your, from your early mentor is that no one has a crystal ball for what prices are going to do, which is kind of a funny quote from, from Zillow. In there. <laughs> I do like that quote. <laughs> Instead, he framed the idea of purchasing a home around what people can live in and the lifestyle they can have at what monthly cost. So very much like bringing together that, that lifestyle and family and the home decisions that a person has to make for their, their lifestyle and their family with, with the financial decision. What can you afford? This is a monthly cost. If it's a fixed rate mortgage, it stays that cost. So uh <laughs> there, there's, uh, there, there's that component as well. So uh, not worrying too much about what the crystal ball does and if, if prices move up two points this year, move down two points this year, uh, you still have those, those four walls. A thousand percent. I think this has been really great. Uh, I, I want to make sure that the people realize and understand that as a loan officer, you're a mortgage originator, mortgage professional, mortgage broker, whatever term you use for yourself, as someone who originates loans for consumers and, and, and partners with real estate professionals, the numbers piece is a very important part. Being in a marketing podcast, we talk about personal brands and we talk about lead creation relationships and business being about relationships and it is. One of the things that we're going to talk about in a, in a, in a couple of other episodes, uh, I've got a guest lined up, but we're going to dive in a lot more to the numbers a lot of this is about numbers and about what people can afford. And the, a recent episode we had with Ryan Grant talk about not just getting someone into debt, but helping them actually be homeowners. 
And being a homeowner, a lot of times is managing the fiscal side of things, the economics and making sure that whatever payment you put them into is conducive to the type of lifestyle they want. If they want to eat out all of the time and do a lot of external thing and have a lot of monthly costs, that may be what lifestyle they want. That doesn't mean you need to max them out debt ratio. And that goes into more of the relationship side. And so I, I really appreciate the details of this article because that's a different conversation uh, that people aren't having and, and need to be had as you're developing relationships and answering questions as an advisor in this space. Yeah, I think uh, originators and agents have a massive opportunity to help expand responsible home ownership. And that comes down to the numbers, it comes down to the lifestyle, it comes down to educating the consumer and helping provide that context from the day-to-day the -day that we get, talking to each other, talking to our referral partners, talking to our colleagues. Um, homeowners might think they think about their home and their mortgage and real estate often, but they don't think about it nearly as much as the folks listening to this show. Uh, so uh, don't forget to share that expertise. I mean, I think that's, that's the big point here is that um, you have a lot of knowledge and uh, don't assume people know as much as you do because the perspective and the interpretation might be really different. Absolutely. Well, uh, we always end our podcast asking one question and uh, we're not going to depart from it this time. So now you're going you're gonna to be in the hot seat. And uh, that's if, if you could just give one tip to mortgage professionals today to go out to use to build their business, what would it be? Well, first, go register for Engage.Talent. Uh, for the <laughs> listeners of this show, uh, use the code HWTALENT2020 for a pretty large discount. So we nice. have you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I, uh, I, I kind of already, already dropped my tip. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll reiterate, though. My, my, my tip for the professionals listening to this show is, is do not assume that your referral partners or your clients understand this industry, the housing world, and mortgage products nearly as much as you do. Um, even if they tell you they, they understand the product or understand the economy or understand the housing market in their local zip code or region or the national level, don't be afraid to share your perspective. Um, let, layer on that expertise you develop, uh, you develop doing business in your market every day. And uh, I think it's a, it's a lot of room for error by assuming that your clients understand the market, your market, as even half as much as you do. So, so share that knowledge, share that expertise. Um, I know Phil does it every day. So that's the tip. Awesome. Love it. Okay. So go register, uh, engage.housingwire.com. Click on the uh, Housing Wire Talent here in Dallas, Texas. Use the promo code HWTALENT2020 for a discount there. And uh, also go listen to your podcast. You do housing news. Uh, it is, it's uh, Housing News by Housing Wire is the name of your podcast, correct? Yeah, yeah, housing news. And uh, if, if you're already listening to this episode, I guess it doesn't matter, but we're also going to publish this conversation as a bonus episode on housing news. So uh, you can hear it twice. <laughs> but, nice. Uh, well, for those that are listening on the MME podcast and haven't listened to Clayton's podcast, uh, you can download the Industry Syndicate mobile app and listen through there or have links to Clayton's show, um, or you can go to iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, any, any major podcast outlet and uh, listen to his podcast. He dives, uh, he has all kinds of awesome guests on there and talks about articles just like these, what's going on in the industry. So that's going to be a great resource for mortgage professionals to do exactly what it is we're talking about, which is continue to educate themselves more on what's happening in the industry and how to use it to build their business. 
and, and on housing news, you don't have to listen to me speak too much. As, as the host, I just get to ask questions and we bring on an executive from the mortgage or real estate world every week. And uh, so you get, you get to hear what the, the actual practitioners have to say. Um, so uh, I, much, much like Phil does of bringing on guests to this show, we bring on a different guest each week to share some perspective about uh, big headlines and, and news that's happening in the industry. Um, so a little bit different angle, but uh, we're, we're trying to, to meet that bar that Phil has set with MME over the last 56 episodes. Uh, you're, being, uh, you're being very kind. Definitely appreciate that. Um, it's, it's because of uh, awesome guests like you that people tune in. And uh, I actually did have someone tell me the other day, you know, your early episodes, you didn't say a whole lot. And now you, you talk a lot more than you did. So I don't know if you meant that in a good way or a bad way, but um, Clayton, I appreciate having you on. If you would throw out any website, social media handles, uh, anything else you want to share so that people can learn more about you, housing wire and what you have going on. Hey, most important is housingwire.com. Um, uh, but I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. So connect me on LinkedIn. Uh, love uh, having relationships with everybody in the industry and um, keeping a dialogue going. So housingwire.com and Clayton Collins on LinkedIn. Sounds me. great. And for those that are listening to this on housing news, you can uh, go to mmepodcast.com to subscribe to our flash briefing, to listen to podcasts on any platform, download our industry syndicate mobile app, um, philtreadwell.com. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of on social media as well. So looking forward to seeing you in February. Um, actually, we're going to see each other before then because we hang out. So that's cool. But uh, for everyone else, we look forward to seeing you guys at Engage Talent February 6th in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for more insightful conversations.